This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hey guys, Robbie here. Another edition of the Offscript podcast coming up. What have we got for you today? We've got a story that certainly made my blood boil. Top 10 songs of all time released by the Billboard Hot 100. You will not believe the artist or the song who has come top of the pile. From things that have angered me to things that have just completely perplexed me because Donald Trump has been given a special honorary taekwondo black belt. We'll tell you the full story there. And Chris McCarty has caught up with the Cypriot Maverick tennis player, Marcos Bagdatis. What a great career he's had. He talks big three, Emma Raducanu, and the subject of Novak Djokovic. Is he the greatest of all time? Marcos has his say. The Off Script Podcast. Well, the weekend's been making headlines for all the wrong reasons over the course of the past. Well, I say all the right reasons for him. I'm doing him a disservice. But at the Billboard, at number one, that's over in the US, yes. right? The Billboard charts. Correct. And a weekend song is now officially the, and I quote here, greatest song of all time. Number one song of all time. If I had asked you guys what the number one song of all time would be, I mean, what are some of the things that would come to your mind well, without you know, overthinking it? Just a couple of artists uh, that you would think. Well, Beatles Let It Be, as sure. I said the other night. Gimme Shelter, Rolling Stones, yeah. said that the other night. I'm a big fan of that or those two. What, well, this is all very, what's the quantifiable metric here? So this is what they've done. The Billboard 100 has been charting their top songs for the past 63 years. So this is according to radio plays, sales, and streaming as well. So they've right. really looked across the board. This is comprehensive. But, of course, streaming plays a big part in that because if you have a certain artist who's been streamed you know, by a certain demographic excessively, mm-hmm. that would skew your figures, I would imagine. Yes, it would. They don't in that direction. Exactly. And also, what, what about pre-streaming songs as well? Got to remember that. Yeah, so that would have been on radio plays and sales. So exactly, mm-hmm. that's perhaps why you don't see as many older songs on that list. Yeah, it makes sense. You're absolutely right. But uh, it is this song which has come out number one. I'm going to play a little clip. I'll just leave this here. Now, I am not particularly a fan of The weekend. I can respect that some people out there are. Okay, difference of opinion, music is subjective, sure. Yeah. But you're telling me that is the number one song of all time. Listen, we... Again, the weekend is bang average. I'm going to say it for you, Sano. That, that's a tune, Because uh, I know you wanted to say that and didn't. You were being diplomatic. But The weekend is bang average. That, that you can jive along to that. Everything it's, he does sounds It's manufactured, yeah. mainstream, broad brushstroke, bland pop music. But that's what it is. Equally, if you're It's at designed disco, to appeal to the biggest cross-section of people. Right, i put it to you, though. If you're at a disco... And it's late at a night. A disco. A disco. That's all the cool Again, kids Chris call is it. back in 1983 yeah. with his Adidas retro t shirt. <laughs> He's at a disco. A disco, okay, a wedding, whatever. Your missus pulling you up on the dance floor, you get up there and you have a wee boogie to that. You do, but you do it in a kind of half hearted, oh, this is the weekend. Dun, dun, yeah. dun, 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 dun. You're not getting into it. <laughs> exactly. You're not really feeling it. You're just dancing to it because that's just all it is. It's noise in the background. You're not that's the weekend. It. It's no. background noise. I'm with Rob on this one. You're definitely not on the dance floor feeling that song. Yeah. You know, certain songs you really feel that it? you just can't help yourself. Is the tie around the head at this point? 
because of this. I feel then you're feeling everything that's out there. Yeah, listen, there's a lot of songs out there that engender a reaction, an emotive feeling. I'm sorry, anyone who who gets you know who gets all the feels, quote unquote, from a song by the weekend. I mean, I don't know. Right, does, it's it's all very subjective. Does isn't the song I mean, does the song in at number two tickle your fancy? Have a listen. Come on, Oh my goodness me, where has this list come from? <laughs> I just this is I, the weirdest countdown of all time. I just think of my mum jiving at weddings. At that. If that song comes on, you'll always find my mum, and she is a mover, let me tell you. She'll be jiving <laughs> to that one without that is, a shadow. That is by Chubby Checker. Yes, The Twist. I want to play a couple of these before we head to a song. This is in at number four. Have a listen. Sorry, have we just missed out the intervening 50 years? We've got Mac the Knife and we've got The Twist. Then we've got The Weekend Blinding Lights. Where was the middle 50 years that was rather important? Where's The Beatles? Where's The Stones? Where's Rock and Roll? Where's the great rock revolution of the 1970s? Yeah, I mean, I also have to say, of those older songs that are on this list, that last one I've never heard in my life before. We've got to play a couple of these. What about in at number six? told me this was a list of the top 10 worst pop songs of all time i would probably go along with that more yeah, maybe billboard is trolling all of us and that's I what think we'll they find are. out i will not have a bad word said about poor leanne rhymes that is another corn air song we talked about corn air at the start of the week oh, that man. song is featured nicholas cage responsible for that for his popularity in the billboard pop if you're going power ballad sappy power ballad yeah. i mean whitney houston definitely wins over Doesn't leanne rhymes don't you think the top 10 number seven oh, and I this c- is upsetting it's not upsetting at all sono <laughs> it's a guilty pleasure in at number seven you're all going to be jiving to this This is what it's like to be a DJ at children's discos. I'm actually loving having the control over this. <laughs> so here we go. You're listening to Dubai Eye 103.8. Here we go. Shake that. <laughs> I love it. I've got a new career. I'm genuinely. Chris is bouncing up and down like a meerkat, <laughs> looking out for predators on a rock. That's exactly what it looked like. Hey, listen, I'm enjoying myself. That's the main thing. The Macarena's in there. You're killing me. You're absolutely yeah. killing me. What I like too is it's not the regular Macarena. It's the Bayside Boys remix. Okay, I'll give you a little snippet of this. <laughs> You know what that tells me? You know what this list tells me? Humanity is doomed. (laughs) 
cynical Robbie is back in the number 10 Shape of You Ed Sheeran number 9 Macarena the Bayside Boys remix Los Del Rio number 8 I Got a Feel in the Black Eyed Peas number 7 Party Rock Anthem Elmanfield featuring Lauren Nemitz and Goon Rock I just feel like a top 40 right now in at number 6 How Do I Live Leanne Rhymes up 3 spaces it's Uptown Funk Mark Ronson featuring Mark um, and Bruno Mars sorry you can see I'm not good at it number 4 Mac the Knife Bobby Darren it's then number 3 Smooth Santana featuring Rob Thomas in at number 2 The Twist Chubby Checker but going nowhere in at 1 it's blinding lights. It is the weekend. We'll be impressed with that. <laughs> That's not bad. Yeah, I'm liking yeah. all these different personas you've been taking uh, on the past no. 15 minutes. Yeah, we failed to mention Santana snuck in there. Yeah, I Santana mean, another did. hideous yeah, representation. Not a, fan. not a fan of Santana either. Hey, listen, it's not our list. It is the Billboard charts. How many weeks? 90 weeks is blinding lights. Incredible. The weekend. Amazing that that is the number one song, apparently, of all time. The Offscript Podcast. Right, then we move on. I want to get to a story pertaining to the former president of the United <laughs> States. Well, yes, we just talked about the weekend's appearance as the all-time number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 compilation. Speaking of undeserved accolades, <laughs> uh, how about this? Donald Trump has been awarded an honorary black belt in taekwondo. <laughs> I mean, can you even get how an honorary black belt? I mean, a black belt, you're working through the stages. You're putting in the work yeah, to get a, to a that A black level. belt is the highest honor, right? Exactly. So it means that you have to have sacrificed, gone through hell to yeah. get that. To, to really to, you know, that, that's a recognition that you have reached the ultimate status as a martial arts guru, is it not? Mm-hmm. Black belt. I'm, Donald I'm, Trump's just been handed one. Um, I've got and, this image of him just wearing the karate outfit. With the black belt on. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's he's worn the outfit. Has he worn yeah, it the he's outfit? Worn, no, yes, oh he has. God. He's worn the dressing gown. Well, it's not a dressing gown, but you know what I mean. I think it's a little insulting to Taekwondo Massively practitioners. The no, dressing you know what gown. I mean. You know what I mean, though? The gown. What, what would you call it? <laughs> well, it's, uh, uh, Coat, it's, the attire? Yes. Let's call it attire. The karate attire that you just... <laughs> Housecoat dressing gown. <laughs> it's far more than that, Rob. Seminal. It, you know Sprinting. what it looks like? It's a robe. It looks like that one of those things you get in the five-star hotel when yeah, you we, check we, in. We know what it looks like, yeah. Chief. But anyone out there that's worked their behinds off to get black belt, you've just dismissed them in one foul swoop. <laughs> <laughs> They're wearing their bathrobe. But he's actually worn his karate outfit. <laughs> he's worn the robe, yeah. Uh, he was awarded a ninth Dan black belt, which is the highest level in the martial arts. He was presented with a certificate in Florida this was actually a few days ago on Friday the 19th of November by Lee Dong Sup, the president of the Taekwondo governing body, Kukiwon. Okay. Now, according to Kukiwon, upon receiving the honor, Trump said, it is my honor to receive the honorary dance certificate. And I think Taekwondo is magnificent martial art for self-defense. I wish to see Kukiwon Taekwondo's team's demonstration. He added that he would wear the suit in Congress if he ever makes it back to the White House, according to South Korea. I don't know what South Korean newspaper Dong Ah Ilbo was doing on the premises, but they've reported faithfully that he will wear the Taekwondo attire the robe, call it what you will, in Congress if he actually does once again regain the White House. 
I'm almost tempted to say, let's get him back in just so we can see that. The Taekwondo you, you, you could imagine him just walking in, couldn't you? Into Congress with his black belt on, with the kind of bandana, so that he looks like Daniel LaRusso you know what from Karate he's, he's basically, he's touting his wares now. I don't know what this is going on here, but the former president is accepting all manner of gifts and trinkets, <laughs> making promises about getting back into the White House. Yeah, I'll wear the Taekwondo outfit. Yeah, OK, you want me to wear your hat sponsored yep if i ever get inaugurated again i'll wear the sponsored hat it's we're getting like sure it's get, like a walking billboard yeah and we're getting a lot of messages in from people to explain what it actually is called the gay and somebody said the dough box so i'm not sure which one it is but just to give you an idea of how difficult it is so he's got the honorary ninth degree black belt okay it's the highest ranking in the sport apparently the actor chuck norris who began martial arts in yes. 1950s is only an eighth degree black belt. So Donald Trump is already ahead of Chuck Norris of Delta Force. <laughs> After decades of training. Oh I mean, how insulting God. is that? He's going to be insufferable with that, isn't he? He's going to invite people around to his house in Florida. I don't know whether Taekwondo have fallen on hard times, but there's just a whiff of desperation about this. Well, is there not? Yeah, you know, I there's, agree with there, that. I'm giving you the black belt to get a, give us a bit of a you know a bit of a shout out as you would say, Chris. A bit of a leg up. Ah, listen, each their own. That's the, the route that they've taken. And Donald you Trump. You can't imagine an ancient samurai warrior bestowing the honor, the honor upon some undeserved couch potato. <laughs> <laughs> like myself right <laughs> no absolutely it. but if you think about it you said taekwondo falling on hard times i mean when we were growing up everyone i know was learning taekwondo it yeah. was the kind of trendy martial art nowadays it's like brazilian jiu-jitsu it's true this part right? of the world you're right mm. listen unbelievably donald trump is trotting around this planet with a ninth dan black belt the highest level in the martial art and to think that chuck norris doesn't even have it blasphemy the off script podcast Let's talk all things tennis. I've been in conversation today yeah. with Marcos Bagdatis, a winner of four titles on the ATP Tour. Of course, you may remember that beautiful smile of his. He broke through 20 years of age, 2006. I still remember it as if it was yesterday. He took on Roger Federer in that Australian Open final back in 2006. Uh, January it was, of course, and he took the first set against Roger, if memory serves, he won at 7-5, as he was at pains to point out to me today. It was actually a break-up as well in the second set, and then, of course, Roger turned it around, won that second set, 7-5, and then never looked back, 6-love, six 6-2. Six the big news, though, with Marcos, 36 years of age now, he's popped the tennis racket away, and he's moving into... Well, he's taking our jobs, is what he's doing, Robert. But he is going to be over here for the Bubala World Tennis Championship, December 16th through to the 18th. Tickets, of course, available. Ticketmaster.ae, Virgin Megastore as well. He is over as the ambassador. He's essentially, he's replaced Pat Cash, our good buddy. Okay. what Marcos has done. Got an awful lot of time with him today, in all honesty. And I want to delve straight into this because, of course, we've been telling you over the course of the past few weeks, the, the field is now set. We've got Rafa Nadal, Sir Andy Murray. We've got Dominic Team. Denis Shapovalov, Andrei Rublev and Dominic Team. The women's match, massively excited about this. Emma Raducanu against the Olympic champion Belinda Bencic. I wanted to start with Marcus though on Rafael Nadal. He's a 
four-time winner of this event, back for its 13th edition, coming off the back as well of that foot injury that has played havoc with Rafa's kind of career of late. And the question had to be to Marcus. He's played against Rafa. Could he have ever imagined that at 35-36, Rafa Nadal would still be playing tennis, given his attritional style? Marcus had this to say. No. Uh, you know, I, I would say, if you tell me, the, if you ask me the same thing about Roger, I would tell you yes, because of the way he plays. You know, the, the energy he spends on court, Rafa, uh, it's just, in, I mean, amazing. You know, every, the intensity he puts in every practice and every tennis ball he hits every uh, point that he plays on a match is just incredible and uh, you know like you said you know that that's a lot of you know pounding on the body on the knees on the joints and uh, for me it's it's a huge surprise and uh, i guess you know the, the his medical team have done something right there and uh, uh, i'm happy again like i said i'm so excited to be watching rafa you know after my retirement and, and still watching him can I delve into your psyche here, Marcos? What was it like? Take us back when you're standing across the net from Rafael Nadal. What was the game plan? What's going through the mind? What do you need to do in order to break down El Matador? Yeah, just keep the points short. <laughs> Try to keep <laughs> as many points short as possible. But, uh, you know, playing aggressive, you know, uh, using the down-the-line shots for me were very important against Rafa. Uh, and, and and trying to come to the net and and I guess with Rafa what I had in mind every time I played him was I needed some free points on the serve that was very important for me against Rafa you know I needed some free points so I can you know breathe a bit and and, and get some confidence because you know when the when the rally starts against Rafa it, you know it's it's a tough rally and it's going to be very difficult so you need to step in try to be aggressive and, and keep the point short we're going to get Marcus's thoughts on Emma Raducanu in a few moments time listening to him there though he speaks yeah. so well yeah he does does Marcos and I had to go there you know where I'm going with this we saw Pete Sampras a week or so ago he made the headlines for pointing out in his view that Novak Djokovic is the greatest of all time so where does Marcos Bagdatis sit on the GOAT debate let me tell you some of this absolutely fascinating Djokovic is the best I, I think I mean there is no doubt he, he's done I mean seven times ending world number one in the world um, uh, most weeks as, as number one uh, most master series I, I mean what does the guy need to do to, to so we say he's the GOAT I mean I, I, I think he is unfortunately you know he doesn't have that image that Roger Rafa does uh, to the fans but uh, tennis wise for me he's the greatest and I played the three of them and for me he's the toughest player to play against Interesting. Uh, and yeah I believe that he's a GOAT and it's just a matter of time for me for him to win uh, uh, 21st 22nd Grand Slam let, let me turn that question on its head then and we're not being disrespectful here to, to any of, of either of the three but when you yeah, say Novak was the toughest to play against who then did you have the most confidence going up against who did you look at their game and think if I'm at it today I've got a chance uh, you know I love playing Rafa from the three I, I mean, I, I only beat him once and he beat me maybe 10 times. <laughs> but but I loved playing because, you know, uh, 
I felt I felt that that match will be physical and uh, you know from the moment you you're preparing for a tough match and and, and also like I love playing against lefties. I always did. I could use that back and down the line more effectively with his forehand, you know, uh, looping forehand. I could come in the court and use my back and down the line more effectively. I could put more pressure from those three. I'm talking only from those three. So, yeah, and, and Novak for me was the best because uh, you had no solutions. I had, I, I mean, I was, a lot of times I was very close of winning, uh, but you know he just steps up at the at the right moment and he does what you are not expected and he gives you no solutions and for me he's like a machine and uh, uh, sometimes you know you cannot beat the wall of all the machine and what about Roger you've been quiet on Roger there Marcos what was it about him we all, we always say he's like a hovercraft He's a ballerina out there. He just hovers over the tennis court. I'm such a huge fan of Rogers, the way he plays the game, when that backhand is purring, and I know he got the bigger racket. Ivan Lubicic came in. I think he made a real difference to that backhand wing as well. He was a little bit more aggressive with it, certainly in his later years. But what is it about Roger that you admire so much? I admire, I mean, the, the technique, the movement, the, 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 the person himself on the court, you know, just so classy, so... You know, uh, he has everything. He can do everything on court. Uh, I remember matches against him. I I could not read his serve. I could, you know, and and you know, and I think, of course, I mean, uh, who doesn't love the the way Roger plays? And a, a lot of kids copied Roger the way he the, he plays, and they want to play. They want to look at like him when they play tennis. So, you know, Roger, I think, has changed the game of tennis. Uh, and I think without Roger, uh, Rafa and Djokovic maybe would not have been as good as they are today because he's the oldest, because they were running after him, because he started the, the, the trend of, you know, winning so many Grand Slams and, and being number one, you know, in the world for so many years and uh, going for records like not losing a match in a year. And, you know, and, and I think he... he, he uh, woke Rafa and Djokovic up, I think, and uh, yeah. And the thoughts there of Marcos Bagdatis talking a lot of sense there. Interesting there. I thought he would say Roger, who is the e- not the easiest to play against, but he said Rafa. It was Rafa that he felt he had more of a chance. And Emma Raducanu, she is without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, you said it in a debate that you and I had off air. For you, Rob, that is the story, the sporting story of 2021. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, genuinely think so. I, I mean, an 18-year-old playing in only her second Grand Slam, having never played a full match on the WTA Tour, winning a US Open, including qualifying 10 straight matches, beating some of the best players on the planet and beating a fellow teenager in Leila Fernandez in the final. A 19-year-old in straight sets, not dropping a single set in the entire tournament. Uh, you tell me a bigger, a better sports you've, story. You've yes, you well. can name-check Italy winning the Euros, of course, but Italy are... You know, decent side wins football tournament. Yeah. That's, you know, that's at the, the end of the day, yes, South Africa winning the Lions, brilliant. But that's a two-team event, mm. you know, and they were... No, listen, I think you'd be hard-pressed. 4001 will open that debate up. What is the sporting story of the year thus far? Emma Raducanu, I think if Novak totally. had done the career Grand Slam, that would have been the sporting story. But he didn't, so it goes to Emma. Emma, interesting. Right then, Emma Raducanu won, as Robbie already points out, the US Open as a qualifier, the first ever male or female to do just that. So obviously I had to ask for Marcos Pagdasis' verdict on Emma Raducanu. 
listen, uh, after Wimbledon, I, I was impressed at Wimbledon. Fourth round of Wimbledon, the way she was playing, you know, uh, I was commentating also on, on Fox Sports in Asia. Uh, and, you know, it, it was just amazing to see a girl like her smile, you know, just play free on the court. It was, I mean, she has everything. She had everything then. And, you know, and then, of course, uh, we were surprised that, you know, from qualies, uh, it's just amazing what she has done in, in the Flushing Meadows. Uh, and uh, I mean, of course, everybody was surprised. Nobody was expected that to happen. But uh, I think, you know, like you said, the manner, the way she won it without dropping a set. I mean, the, the way she handled for me, the most important thing is handled the nerves because, you know, at 18 year old, a, a lady, let's say, uh, you know, there's a lot of things going in her mind, you know, and, and, and I think just to be able to handle that pressure, that you know everything that was surrounded by her the the media in england in the uk i mean that, that's huge you know and and yeah it's just just amazing uh, what she's done and i think yeah it's 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 i mean the best historical event uh, in 2021 that's for sure given that you achieved so much in your career marcos you you're you've been around the block it's fair to say a number of times during your career when you look at emma if you were to speak to her now what kind of bits of advice what would, what would kind of be Marcos Bogdatis saying to Emma Raducanu just as she kind of navigates her way through this kind of uncertain period? I know she's got a new coach. She's got obviously the eyes of the watching world on her. I think keep focusing on tennis, you know, uh, focusing on tennis, uh, you know, just um, I don't know her personally. I never met her. I don't know what's going in her head, but it's, it's you know, I'm, I'm not the kind of person who can give an advice to somebody without knowing how she you, you understand what i'm trying to say yeah. I, I, but you know from my experience you know i played the finals of of, of the australian open when i was 20 years old and uh, i was pretty young then and you know all the media all the attention you need to get that away from you uh, and i think that's the most important thing uh, if you want to continue winning matches and being at the top level uh, just just that you know the 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 self discipline of you know keep on doing the stuff keep on waking up in the morning keep on you know not missing practices because of social media or because of friends or because of you know interview sponsors you know keep that uh, attitude that self discipline to come every day and be a better better player and better person uh, on on and off the court and i think that's the way she should look at it in the next few months if she wants to, you know, get back to where she wants to be. If I can take you back to 2006, of course, you went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Roger Federer in that Australian Open final. You actually, for, forgive me if I'm wrong on this, you won the first set, if memory serves me correct, and then you awoke the beast. And then, of course, Roger produced the tennis, the likes of which we know he can produce. I wonder about yourself, Marcos. In those coming days, weeks and months, did you struggle with the extra glare of the watching world? No, uh, to correct you, I was a certain breakup. But oh. uh, yeah, Important. <laughs> no, <it's okay. laughs> but uh, no, yeah. I mean, when you're in it, I don't think you realize, and I think that's what happened to Emma also in the, in the flashing. You don't realize so much what's going on, and uh, you're going, you know, you're going step by step. You're focused on what you need to do. It's a, it's a dream, you know. The the door is opening slowly, slowly. You're getting closer to, you know, to that trophy. But once it's done, you know, uh, that's where, you know, uh, you you have all the attention, you have all the media, you, you have new friends, uh, 
uh, new people around you who, who are, you know, you never know. And, and that's what you, I think what you need to handle and, and try to find, you know, the right team. Don't listen to too many people around, you know, uh, around the world and uh, just listen to the few that you decide that give you the right opinion, which is good for you. And, and, and you know, that's, that's a tough part, you know, I think in, in a career of a tennis player, you know, we see Roger Federer, we see Rafa, we see Djokovic, they always, Djokovic with Vaida, uh, Federer with Sev, uh, Nadal with Tony, I mean, they all, always had somebody there, Andy Murray with his mother, uh, it, it's so important to have the right person and to build, uh, to build, to build a team around you that you know, nothing can touch you. And uh, I think that's what she should look to do. Yeah, it's an interesting time. We were just talking about it, listening to Marcus there in the ensuing kind of period and, and saying for Emma, I mean, listen, we want her to do well because she's got all the talent in the world as she proved at the US Open. She's going to be a big year now, a big off season. She's going to be here, obviously. She's going to be in Abu Dhabi for the Mubadala World Tennis Championship. And then I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued yeah. to see the Australian Open, what she can deliver. Yeah, and I think expectations need to be tempered. Mm-hmm. I think that the US Open was a magical fortnight in her life. To, to expect it to her to reproduce that at another Grand Slam, I think, is is a little foolhardy. Let's see. She needs to have an off season, and she'll be. I mean, she's still a teenager even next year. So that's it's difficult to sustain that level. And you look at what happened with Naomi Osaka, just finding it, finding it all a bit too much. Yeah. And there is an awful lot of pressure. And you know the greats managed to to be impervious to it. So time will tell. I think we just we watch with interest, but to assume that she's going to have a, a powerhouse year next year, I think would be a mistake. Hottest ticket in town. Make no mistake about it. Undoubtedly, this will be a sellout. The Mubadala World Tennis Championship, December sixteenth through to the eighteenth. Tickets are still available. Ticketmaster.ae and all good Virgin megastores. The Offscript Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do go ahead and click subscribe. You can also check out our other podcasts, Time Capsule or The Big Interview. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. 